Hello and welcome to another episode of Space Update. I'm Ryan, Mr. Space Update himself. Joining me today is... Hi, I'm Rich LB, host on Becoming Multiplanetary for Total Space Network. Come and catch me and Kage on our shows that release every Monday, where we talk about various topics on how to make humanity a multiplanetary species. I'm Mikop, the host of Deep Down Fridays. And today we've got Robin Haig from uh, Skyrora. Welcome, Robin. Hello, thank you very much. So we're doing a little things a little bit differently today, since we've got Robin on the show, so uh, we'll be talking everything Skyrora today. Robin, do you want to uh, give the guys a quick brief history and rundown of who Skyrora are and what you guys are doing, just to give some of the guys that aren't aware of you guys what you're doing? Yes, yeah, certainly. So Skyrora is a new launch vehicle company. We started in summer of 2017 and we're based in Edinburgh. So what we're looking to do is work towards the launch of small satellites from the prospective UK spaceport and uh, where, wherever that ultimately may end up. To do this, we're working towards building a vehicle called Skyrora XL, which will be about 24 metres tall, approximately 2 metres in diameter and uh, capable of carrying just over 300 kilos into uh, 550 kilometers sunsink orbit from the UK. To do this, we're currently involved in uh, a, a number of developmental strands, most significantly the in-house propulsion, where we're creating our own new engines based on uh, hydrogen peroxide and kerosene, which we can cover in greater depth later on, which we believe gives us a number of advantages holistically in providing our planned future service for uh, satellites going into space. And you've also got the uh, the EcoSync, uh, that's that just specifically for the uh, XL rocket, isn't it, Robin? Yes. So as a clean sheet launch vehicle design, as a, as a whole new project, we want to minimise our ecological footprint as much as possible from the start. We feel consistently across the company that space technology is, is critical for the science and something that we want to be able to provide is sustainable access to space. We don't want um, the action of getting uh, satellites, Earth observation sensors and instruments to be excessively negative. So part of this, when we have a very clean burning system, is it is, but part of it is that we have a project called Ecosine that is creating uh, rocket grade kerosene and intermediate options as well from non-recyclable plastics. So while it remains a fossil source, it is taking a greater waste problem and uh, converting it, making use of a resource that would otherwise be a problem in its current state. And correct me if I'm wrong, you need around about 600 kilograms to make, something like a 1,000 kilograms of fuel or something like that. Something of that sort of order. I remember seeing the fact sheet. I've got a bit ahead of you on that one, so I've got the fact sheet to hand. You can create quite quite a decent amount of fuel within a short period of time, creating that much fuel. I think it's in the space of 24 hours. The process is relatively slick, really, so if you needed fuel on hand, you could literally make it almost there and then within the day, couldn't you? Yes. And more recently, Robin, you had um, the Skylark Micro 1 launch, um, which I'd done the logo competition for a little while ago that was obviously just a, a small well i say a small it's a three meter high rocket wasn't it that one um which is essentially kind of like a sounding rocket testing out hardware and other little bits for the future rockets what did you learn from that launch and everything despite losing the rocket 
<laughs> it's it, always the most difficult thing is getting them back again rather than anything else. We're uh, following a, a de-risking approach. We're trying to get as much as possible into practical tests as quickly as possible. And um, whilst the engine development is going on on, uh, on the ground, we have been launching a, a number of small rockets, just using commercially available solid rocket motors. So they're, they're quite simple little solid-powered fin-guided rockets, but they're large enough to carry electronics and tracking and to uh, begin testing those sorts of things out in a real launch environment. And a small solid rocket actually gives a tougher time to components. It's a, it's a, uh, a harsher environment than they will be experiencing in the, in the final bi-liquid vehicles. So we've, we've done uh, nano and micro. It was actually, we gave them those names because we decided to start naming in tribute to Skylark, the UK's most numerous launch vehicle, a large solid rocket powered sounding rocket. Over 440 were flown between uh, 57 and 2005. But as we were using this name to start off with, we felt we wanted to, to acknowledge that our little rockets were rather small by comparison to uh, the scale of the final Skylark. So this is how we settled on Nano and Micro's name. Uh, Nano was a single stage commercially available solid solid rocket propulsion and then micro uh, flown thus far from iceland two stage uh, commercial solid rocket powered standing just over three meters tall pretty much 50 50 uh, percent split in length but uh, obviously a lot more mass in the first stage and that is capable of around 30 kilometers altitude so we're still a way off space but we're with that pushing beyond what people have done uh, sort of privately in europe Although, of course, people have used similar technology on, the, on an amateur basis to get uh, to those sorts of heights in the US where they're fortunate enough to have the, uh, the desert ranges within which to do them. Uh, Nano and Micro have been tremendously useful both for, for flying the electronics, practicing the, practicing the tracking systems on a smaller scale, and even actually for Micro uh, going through the application process, it's become the first vehicle, uh, small as it is, it's become the first vehicle to go through the newer UK application processes for the launch of rockets. And uh, that has been very useful. In terms of the UK laws for launching within the UK, I know you've done that micro launch over in Iceland and everything. What stage is all the laws regarding the launches here in the UK at the launch, you know? It's coming together. We haven't had a particular, we haven't had a framework within the UK for space launch. There have been a small number of suborbital space launches as part of the government programs in the um, 60s and 70s from the UK. Skewer and Patrol rockets launched from the uh, Outer Hebrides and indeed I think there was possibly even a, a suborbit from Aberporth in Wales at one point, but uh, nothing since then. And there have been some regulations in place for ambitious amateur rockets, which um, high power uh, HBR type rockets have been flown under before, including something as large as the Top Gear Reliant Robin shuttle was uh, was flown under that basis. But now, because the, there are real space rockets coming down the, the plan, the uh, UK has been putting in place the Space Industry Act to provide an actual framework for full commercial space launch. The first part of that is in place. It's had uh, royal assent but it is yet to get the second uh, legislation, if you like, the, the actual, the practical aspect of the legislation in place. It should be in place summer next year. Uh, that will provide the, the final framework for how things can go, how vehicles can fly to space from the UK. So Robin, I hear you're quite hopeful to be the first launch provider in Western Europe. Uh, have you got any uh, comments to make on that? 
We believe so. <laughs> yes, we uh, are optimistic that we will be able to get the, the first orbital flight from, from Europe. Quite a vibrant scene, of course, and there are some very creditable competitors who we believe we are well-placed. That's awesome. Uh, actually, now we could take one viewer question. Framrick is asking and actually saying that Skylark is awesome, but do you think that the UK Space Agency or UK government should be providing more incentive for UK launch providers in the same way as they do for smallsat business? Um, well, they they already are working very constructively towards the sector, and um, there is uh, that I, I know there has been some funding uh, around as well as part of the the National uh, Space Technology Program. So uh, we we have uh, built up a, a, a very good relation with them, and uh, they're um, uh, most enthusiastic about um, ourselves and uh, the other possible UK launch vehicles. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the show so far. If you'd like to support what we're doing and join our Discord community, head over to patreon.com forward slash total space. Once you're signed up, you'll have full access to exclusive content, interviews and access to previous episodes. That's patreon.com forward slash total space. Let's get back to the show. Um, one thing I've got to say is congratulations on, obviously earlier in the year, you've done the first uh, static fire in over 50 years. Uh, earlier today, you announced that uh, the third stage, that uh, vacuum engine, is uh, done and uh, approved for the uh, the XL rocket. Yes. Yeah, so um, we uh, we have been producing, started off with our upper stage engine. It's I always feel it's ironic. We've commenced with the engine we need last. But of course, it's the smallest one. It's the easiest place to begin. So that's the Leo engine. That's the engine that we performed our uh, initial testing with at uh, Spaceport Newquay, one of their hardened aircraft shelters, in uh, summer 2019. It's uh, there's an awful lot happened happened in between. It does. <laughs> It feels longer ago, but we've just recently completed the, the program of tests on this engine with a gas dynamic tube in front of the engine, which mimics the vacuum conditions so that we can test the vehicle in its uh, full configuration before it actually gets up into near orbit. And can you disclose the efficiency of that engine, Robin, or is it still uh, all under wraps and everything? It's, uh, it, it's excellently efficient. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> We'll go for the Rolls-Royce approach. It's adequate, yes. Well, I'm interested about it. I read the article about it too, and it was mentioning space taxiing and different orbits. And really the only mission I remember having going to multiple orbits is the SpaceX uh, Falcon Heavy STP-2 mission back in 2019. And it had around five engine burns. So would your engine be able to do more burns? Yes, so... One of the advantages for using hydrogen peroxide is its very convenient relight capability. So hydrogen peroxide uh, was something of a UK specialism, culminating in Black Arrow. Black Arrow is the peak of peroxide propulsion thus far until we fly. The lipstick rocket. Yes, indeed. So uh, the performance of a given fuel with hydrogen peroxide tends to be a little bit down versus it with liquid oxygen. However, all sorts of other good things for us that when we're creating the system as a whole, uh, we believe, gives us an, an advantage. A major one being that it's non-cryogenic, so it's much easier to deal with. Not having to deal with uh, cryogenic liquids is a, is 
a big advantage. It's very dense. It's 35% denser than liquid oxygen. It's 1400 kilos per cubic meter and it's uh, H2O2. It's water plus. So it runs in a very high mixture ratio. It's uh, in terms of black arrow, it was actually eight to one with kerosene. If you see a cross section through black arrow, it's almost all peroxide tank. So it tends towards a simple compact vehicle and then if you force it through a stack of silver mesh uh, that extra oxygen springs off it falls apart the silver isn't consumed it's purely catalytic and produces 600 degree steam and free oxygen as was done with black arrow uh, we have a catalyst pack in the top of our engines to ignite the engine it's just a question of carefully opening the hydrogen peroxide valve you've all of a sudden got high temperature oxygen and then you can open the kerosene valve and it will self-light. So there is no spark ignition or any ignition fluids, which um, presented problems for other developers. So it's, uh, it's simple and reliable ignition, which in terms of the third stage, then means that we can very easily say if we have a, if we were to have a cluster launch of nano satellites, we could uh, put customers into the orbits they really want to, rather than having to uh, just accept where a major mission took them to. The two biggest challenges when creating your, your own new bioliquid rocket engines are the injector design and the turbo pump. And peroxide helps us sidestep those because with the injector, one of our components, one of our propellants is already a hot gas, which is then excellent for mixing with the kerosene. And we can run our turbo pump as a steam turbine uh, running off catalytically produced hydrogen peroxide steam. Uh, so we can make a very simple and effective turbo pump. We don't have to deal with the mixing, the propellants. We can run our turbine at a much lower temperature. And indeed, actually, we're cooling our engines with the peroxide because we have such a lot of it and it's such a good coolant. Just spinning off the, the fuel mix and everything, uh, Robin, the uh, Gala L rocket that used the peroxide and liquid oxygen mix, will you be doing another static fire of that rocket and potentially doing a launch of that one in the next year or so? So yes, we, we did the, the complete ground test of Skylark L uh, in the Highlands earlier in the year. And uh, as, as far as we know, as, as you mentioned, we believe it's the first one for 50 years. We think the last such test done was the Black Arrow first stage that ultimately flew on uh, in 71. Uh, that seemed to have happened sometime around June or July 71. There's the possibility that there may have been a blue streak after that, but the blue streak, the last blue streak to fly flew in November 71. So it's all around that kind of time. So that vehicle experienced a complete test of everything except launch itself. We can re reassure people that it was clamped down, bolted down, cabled down. It was definitely not going anywhere, but um, it was otherwise a complete replica of a launch. So that vehicle is essentially ready now. So we're, we're working towards the options for launching it in the new year. That one can essentially be launched from anywhere, isn't it? Like a modular system, it can be launched a bit, well, not to compare like a rocket launcher, but... Um... It's of that kind of size that it can be lodged from almost anywhere, can't it? Our ground infrastructure has been designed from the start to be very uh, uh, modular and um, and simple and portable. So we've got a we make use of an awful lot of containerized systems. So for Skylark L in particular, it's very very flexible about the launch site. Even for XL, it'll be an expansion of that approach. Uh, while we, we would be looking at more substantial launch pad installation overall, the whole system remains containerized. The European, prospective European launch sites have often used Mahia from uh, New Zealand Rocket Lab's launch site as an example, but uh, we feel there's a, an even lighter weight example, which is Falcon 1 when it flew in Omelec from Kwajalein back in 2008. There are some excellent photographs from that campaign showing how minimal they managed to create the launch pad system and 
again, a, a very containerized approach uh, for systems and ISO tanks for the propellants and this sort of thing. Another question for one of the guys listening uh, from Rick again there. He, he mentioned the modular kind of design that Rocket Lab are establishing with their photon kickstage for satellites and everything like that. I think Skyrora will go that down that kind of route, obviously, in the coming years once XL's established and got a few flights. Our third stage gives us that already because of its convenient reignition. We don't have to create another uh, stage to go with it. it. It's already capable of it from the start. Uh, would you implement some customer satellites into the stage, like the photon stage from Rocket Lab? Uh, it's certainly something that we could consider in future. In terms of testing the, the engines and everything, Robin, you've, I think you've done over, well, nigh on 100 tests or something like that now, is it? Quite a lot. Yes, we're building up quite a few. The majority thus far have been done on the upper stage engine, of course, as we were just talking about with the vacuum testing. Uh, but also we've now had a significant number of tests with our three-ton thrust engine, which is the one that powers SKL that uh, culminated in the ground test earlier in the year. The next step up from that is uh, our seven-ton thrust engine, which will be clustered to power XL, and that's then our first turbo pump engine. The three-ton thrust engine is a very similar scale and shape, and we just have a an increase in chamber pressure and increase in nozzle exit area to move up to the seven ton thrust engine so again it, it gives us step by step proving out the uh, the different bits that we're going to need for the final vehicle i have a, another listener question this is from eric x space who were featured in one of our latest shows so he's asking when did your interest in space start and how did you even know where to begin with the company and you can speak for yourself or the company uh, for for myself, um, I uh, I was an aviation enthusiast and I was first into aeroplanes. And um, I re- realized actually, funnily enough, discussing this recently, and uh, I, I had not realized at the time, but actually the uh, the Rocketeer uh, helped me get in this direction, much as that's not the same kind of rocket. And they misname it a rocket all the way through the film, whereas it's actually a jetpack. In um, researching uh, jetpacks and things in high school led me towards the sort of jet engines and rocket propulsion information, which I'd not bothered to look at, but I was, I was much more of a propeller person in my aviation enthusiasm. And, uh, that progressively led me to, to rockets and launch vehicles and uh, working in rocket propulsion. And I hadn't realized that until very recently. I was talking about that with somebody that... Uh, it's down to the rocketeer of all things. I uh, en- ended up studying physics with space technology at Salford. As a student, I picked the space technology and the physics just happened to come along with it. But uh, th- that gave me the opportunity to um, uh, to do a research master's in hybrid rocket engines, actually, at that point, which led me to be involved with rocket propulsion for an XPRIZE team from the UK around the turn of the century. And what feels like hardly any time ago but is actually a distressingly large amount of time we uh with that program we uh we did actually succeed in progressing up to three ton uh, well one and a quarter ton hybrid uh liquid oxygen rubber engines and three ton thrust liquid oxygen kerosene engines at the health and safety laboratory at buxton as the the convenient place to test it but uh, of course uh the the x prize was won by mojave aerospace ventures which became Virgin Galactic in 2004, and one of the problems with the original XPRIZE being that Mojave Aerospace were so much more greater resourced 
then the other 18 competitors that once the prize was run won those projects really have tailed off and so as that came to an end the opportunities to be involved in launch vehicles in the UK was somewhat limited unfortunately of course given our sad accolade as being the, the only country to have developed the capability of putting things into space and then cancelled it so in the interim uh, I was working then in uh, design engineering for nuclear safety robotics inspecting the bits of the power stations that's a bit uh, a bit too difficult, dirty or dangerous to spend a long time there as a person. And um, it's, it's uh, quite an interesting strand to be in. It's uh, almost like designing planetary ro robotics because you're creating something to operate remotely. And um, the, the last thing that I was involved with was, uh, was a great project where we were creating actually snake robots for ITER, for the International uh, Tokamak Reactor, uh, that will be used to check out its uh, liquid helium pipes once they exist for, for leaks. So that, that was a, a great challenge. But uh, ultimately, fortunately, uh, Skyroar came along and presented the opportunity to get back into launch vehicles, back into actual rockets, and uh, was conveniently remarkably close to home so that, that was very fortuitous the way that came together. Skyroar overall has grown out of the the new interest in space launch, the new opportunities of private space launch and the particular opportunity of the UK starting I, th I think it was around 2010 the government noticed that the space industry which has always been very strong but not necessarily well recognized by the public or the government. It was noticed that the space industry had been growing successfully throughout the downturn. They had established the target of capturing, I think, I think it's 30 percent of the uh, of some aspects of the space market by 2030 and also an interest in UK space launch. So for Skyrora, we want to be able to fulfill that niche because the UK having such a strong spacecraft and space data sector, uh, if we can provide that missing link of access to space, then the uh, entire space mission can be sourced by a client within the UK and actually, indeed, within Scotland um, with the uh, spacecraft manufacturers in Glasgow, space data and downlink with Dundee and Edinburgh, and then hopefully ourselves providing launch from Scotland. Sure. Is any, any, anyone else got any other questions uh, before we wrap this up in the next few minutes? Uh, I would like to give Framrig a chance to ask a live question. So I've seen the uh, the quality and the expertise in robotic uh, exploration and uh, reactor uh, um, investigation systems from personal experience. Um, the British have a reputation in the space industry of innovation and quality when it comes to communications, robotics, satellites. You know, we've signed up for things like the Artemis Accords and so on. Do you hope that uh, your company and uh, everything going forward, that one day that reputation will extend to the launch services we can provide as well? I think so. I do hope so. Working hard to get to that point. I feel for ourselves, uh, we have a very strong system. We have a, a good approach to it. And I think we'll be able to provide a, a very effective service. Of course, uh, uh, Orbex is the other sort of highest profile launch vehicle company connected with the UK. As yet, they've been very secretive in, in their information. We don't know how developed there is, how, how they're coming along. Um, but uh, I know some of the people involved, and I, th I think they will do a good job too. You guys are part working partially remote, and then uh, all the guys in the workshop are still having to uh, dredge in and do the work. Earlier in the earlier than the lockdown, we were involved in creating PPE for uh, hospitals and hand sanitizer as well, so that we could try and uh, contribute sort of directly to the to the effort. We're fortunate with the workshop that we can arrange things so that people are, are well distanced. So. Uh, 
so we're, we're keeping going as best we can and keeping as remote as we can so it's uh, doing okay so far <laughs> thanks very much for joining us today everyone thanks for listening and special thank you to uh Robin Hague from from, from skyrara no problem Th- thank you very much for the uh, invitation i've been rich lb and i've been miko the host of deep dive fridays Remember to follow us on Twitter, YouTube and your favorite podcast platform. Last, I would like to say special thanks to our first patrons. So thanks to our first Patreon, Marco, as well as Susie, Framrick and Gio. Thank you for your support. And if you would like to support us, check our Patreon page at patreon.com slash total space or the description. And we'll catch you next week. Thank you very much.